0: Welcome to Logical, the UAE's first and still only regular legal podcast. My name's Tim Elliot. As ever, I'm at the Dubai-based legal firm, HPL Yamalava & Plethka in Jamira Lakes Towers here in Dubai with the managing partner, Ludmila Yamalava. Nice to see you, as always.
1: Good to be here, Tim, as always.
0: This time on Logical, Ludmilla, freezing orders, which wasn't a term I'd heard until a day or two ago, but I'm kind of up to speed. Can we start with why you might need a freezing order? So let me put this to you in simple terms. If you were to apply for a freezing order against me for something untowards, and let's just leave it untowards, I might have done something that would mean you'd be within your rights legally to cause me financial inconvenience or even financial pain, and you'd be kind of applying to freeze my assets, I guess. Is, is that basically what it is?
1: Yes, well, basically what it is, it's it's an opportunity or it's a tool for a party that has a dispute uh, with another party mm-hmm. uh, to ensure that while dispute is being litigated or adjudicated, right. uh, that uh, the defendant uh, does not... I run away, for example, or does not dispose of his or her assets uh, while before the court issues its judgment. Right. So uh, that's basically kind of uh, at a high level, the definition. And and, um, and it's so it's a form of an interim relief or it's an injunction uh, that prohibits the defendant, in this case, let's make it you, uh, from disposing of or dealing with or moving. Uh, your assets uh, for for a specific period of time, so it's not indefinite. So it's important to understand, so it's not indefinite, and it's not final. So it's an interim order, uh, and um, and it doesn't it doesn't have the effect of taking your money or taking your assets away from you. It just has the effect of putting a freeze on them until the decision, the final decision is made.
0: Okay, so it at least limits my access to my assets in order to secure the judgment in court that you want to get to?
1: Right. So it's, it's ultimately aims to ensure that the defendant has not Divested or transferred or got rid of the assets uh, right. prior to the court issuing a judgment, obviously for some sort of a, a specific financial compensation. Uh, so it it's not like it applies to a- anything. Um, but ultimately, if there's an anticipation that there will be a judgment against you, and um, and I'm afraid that you will. In the meantime, because as we know, court cases take time. So if uh, in the meantime, I think that you may be inclined to either... Pack up, shop, and leave, uh, or um, transfer your assets to someone else. Well. So it's basically this kind of precautionary attachment, a uh, precautionary measure that allows me to um, kind of put things on hold, freeze things, as as far as your uh, your value or your worth is concerned.
0: Okay, so let's assume and this is not much of a stretch, that I'm ethically dubious, okay, and you decide to do that. The The thing about a freezing order is you're not obliged to let me know that you've applied for a freezing order.
1: Right. Um, so, the freezing order is applied what's called ex parte, which is where you don't, the, the defendant does not know. Uh, I apply to the court, and um. Uh, And the defendant is not served until the court makes a decision on whether a freezing order is appropriate or not. Uh, So I've made this uh, request to the court and the court has decided you know nothing about it uh, and, and it may be that the court rejects it and you will not know about it. Because unless uh, if the court rejects it, there is you have never been served and you are not party to that particular case because it's ex parte, so you don't mm-hmm. even know about it. You will only know about it once the court issues the order. Then I'm required to serve you. Uh, so uh, that's that's and then ultimately you have um, the ability to potentially. Challenge it, uh, but so it's not like you don't have the ability to challenge it whatsoever, but basically you are challenging a decision that has already been made. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, so it is another interesting concept uh, that um, applies to freezing orders is that in many cases, in the way that we have seen it to be applied uh, in the UE and other countries as well, that you don't even actually need to have, if you use me and you as an example, I don't even need to have a substantive case filed against you yet.
0: So you could just call up the court now and say, look, that guy that does the podcast is in the office. Little bit dodgy and get a freezing order against me. Uh, so there's, there's got to be more to it than that. Uh,
1: there's a little, little more to it, you have to, so it depends on kind. Of also where you're applying for it, and this is also yeah. the the purpose of, of the discussion today, is just to kind of outline the different uh, options that exist as far as the UAE is concerned, and the differences between them. Right. Uh, but um, there has to be, depending on which court you're applying here in the UAE, uh, there has to be some, some evidence that there is um, that basically that there's an actual case uh, that is either being filed or is about to be filed, uh, or um, uh, there's that, and then again depends on which court, and also there has to be some evidence or at least indicia that there is risk. There is uh, there is evidence of risk. You fleeing, for example, or divesting, yes, okay. or or dumping your assets. So. Uh, and um, so, so yeah, and, and then also that particular uh, freezing order is also attached to a requirement that there's a substantive case filed within. Again, depends on which court you uh, you're applying for. But in the, in the local courts, it's within seven days. You have to apply for a substantive case. But let's say, uh, but yes, ultimately, it is possible that, uh, as far as you know, uh, I we don't have a dispute, and all of a sudden you receive a document that says freezing order and. Your assets are as per this order are frozen, and you don't even know there's a, a court case in uh, open and but yeah. then that that order in most cases only stays if I follow up with uh, with a substantive case. And the logic behind it to justify it, I mean it seems like a very draconian by the way uh, tool. Uh, and but it can also be very effective because the logic behind it is, is that as we often know if there's a dispute between the parties and particularly particular for some sort of financial compensation or monetary compensation then once the party that is, is allegedly at least owed money once they know about a court case then oh okay well there's so many different mechanisms by which they can, they can become poor <laughs> so to speak or, so or become kind of non-existent they can yeah. leave the country or uh, more importantly they Uh, transfer assets and at that point it's just there's, you know and and it's once they kind of just sniff that oh there's a possibility of a court case Uh, so um, I mean that's sort of the logic behind it so first you issue the judgment that's why you you do it ex parte so you don't notify the other parties as not to spook them in other words And and uh, once, but the court obviously has to be convinced. The court is not always convinced. Also, the scope of the freezing order is subject for discussion because it's uh, you can't. It's I mean, a lot of obviously claimants want to request a, a broad freezing order on everything globally. Uh, but the court will also challenge the claimant and uh, have them prove uh, your, your why the, the, the expansiveness or the scope of the freezing order in terms of jurisdiction in terms of amounts and in terms of for example authorities or assets that are being covered by it but it's really happening between the claimant and the judge mm. without the defendant's knowledge uh, so by the time the order is issued l- later on you can request again depends on where things happen but you can later on you can get for example uh, minutes of meetings or or uh, decisions from the judge that later on the defendant can see what uh, the discussion that took place between the judge and the claimant
0: so the judge would kind of take advice i guess from that substantive case and freeze i don't know if, if the person has you know fast cars or, or a bank account here and another bank account here in theory those assets could be frozen rather than saying well you can't go and you know, run around uh, on a Tuesday in a park. Or, you know, th- these are, it's very much tangible assets that the court may say you can no longer use. It's not a freedom of movement.
1: Correct. Although there may be in the local courts in the UAE, there, it also may be connected with uh, the option of restricting travel. Outside really? of the yes. Okay. Okay. so um, as I mentioned earlier, so the freezing order—that's the concept of freezing orders. It's, it's it's an interesting sort of judicial tool which we have seen being used expansively, and uh, and at least arguably seems arbitrarily and um, um, and just perhaps. Uh, um, extraordinarily, um, uh, extraordinarily sort of, um, uh, expansive, uh, and Mm. uh, kind of comprehensive. They were all of a sudden the person has no access to anything, uh, that they touch. Uh, and, um, uh, so, and because also that's what's important is the freezing orders usually are accompanied by what's called a penal notice, which outlines the repercussions for the breach and that's basic contempt of court or fines or imprisonments. In other words, let's say the court issues uh, a freezing order says, uh, you, Tim Elliott, you cannot touch uh, money in your bank account, uh, for example, until this judgment. Now, that order is not for the time being, again, depends on where, which court you're filing it. For the time being, that order is only addressed to you. Okay. Not to the court. So it's not like necessarily the court has, uh, the, the money is frozen, the bank froze the money. Is that you know that there is a court decision that disallows you from, uh, from using uh, that money, right? right. Uh, and so therefore, if you do dis- you, 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 you do actually use that money because the bank account itself has not been frozen, uh, then you're uh, in alleged law in theory, you are violating so the penal notice, which has pretty severe repercussions in terms of penalties and contempt of court and such. So for example this can apply in cases let's say there's um, there's a dispute and you have uh, expensive um, art right or watches or jewelry uh, and you know that's not something that whenever the court order the the court issues it's freezing order it's not something that you can take to a third party and say hey by the way uh, put a freeze on this bank account or put a freeze on that car because that asset the personal properties in your own house, so it's under your own control. But the idea is that if you are later found out, found out to violate, to have basically gotten rid of your art or gotten rid of your jewelry or watches, uh, then you will be deemed to have um, uh, to have uh, been in contempt of court, or breached the court's orders, mm. which can follow with just not only penalties, uh, but also like some criminal sanctions. So that's, the, the tool can be fairly serious and and, um, and draconian for some, uh, but where it's you, it's been used in particular, for example, for in divorce cases, right? Because for example, when there's acrimonious divorces and uh, not to use stereotypes, but let's say the husband is the breadwinner and has a significant wealth. Uh, and then now that there is anticipated that there is a divorce so he's trying to divest all these interests uh, so that not to share with his soon-to-be ex-wife, sure. for example, or, uh, or or limit his liability to, for example, compensate uh, expenses for the kids, for example. So freezing orders have often been used in those kinds of cases where the courts would issue this freezing order to just to prevent the party from going around and getting rid of all of their assets. So they're kind of basically trying to maintain the status quo until there's a substance. A decision. Uh, so it can be very positive. Uh, because we've certainly seen cases where people just go crazy and uh, just to avoid the liability, to avoid the responsibility, they just go and they just get rid of their stuff or transfer in different names. And there's so many different ways of, of transferring these days where you're transferring away from yourself, but really you're still owning it through mm-hmm. various, through offshores and other kind of legal uh, vehicles. Uh, so it has, it has benefits, and obviously that's kind of why it exists, but it also has, I tell you, uh, we've seen kind of on both sides, it can also be extremely abusive, a very abusive because it can really prevent especially when you have a court case and all of a sudden there's a, there's a freezing order and you are as a litigant or a party you have no access to cash because you need cash you need money to be to hire lawyers to litigate in court. but as part of your freezing order that whole you know, all sort of your access to your bank accounts or to your cash is, is basically frozen. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's in the way it's paralyzing your ability to litigate.
0: In Dubai courts, it's called a precautionary attachment. I know that. That's so fr- freezing order is kind of the uh, colloquial term, I suppose. But you can go to Dubai courts. You can go to DIFC courts, I believe. And also, am I right in saying ADGM? Uh, can issue uh, orders like this as well.
1: Exactly. So, and okay. that um, uh, just kind of at a high level and to, to recap or perhaps uh, uh, highlight to those who are not aware, so the UAE has a very interesting, almost like a hybrid type mm. judicial system where we are uh, general as a country, a civil law jurisdiction and we have our own courts and we call them the mainland courts and every emirate has its own court system more or less. And so we have federal system uh, in addition to the, the sort of emirate based systems uh, but they're all we'll call them all kind of mainland court systems that are um, in courts that are subject to the UAE federal laws and uh, and um, uh, they're in Arabic and so they sort of kind of yeah, and, and they are, and they are part of the civil law jurisdiction then within the UAE as well we have two other sort of some almost like exceptions. Uh, so there's the DIFC court in, the, in Dubai, which is the Dubai International Financial Center court, the DIFC court, uh, and in Abu Dhabi, we have the uh, the equivalent, so the Abu Dhabi equivalent to the DIFC is the ADGM, which is Abu Dhabi Global Markets. So both of these um, uh, courts are actually s- uh, common law courts, um, as compared to the civil law jurisdiction out on the mainland. So it's a common law courts; uh, they are English-based courts. Uh, they are subject to their own laws, so they have their own laws and their own jurisprudence. So they're not subject to the federal laws, yeah. and they are created by virtue of obviously relevant laws that gives them, gives them the authority and the. Economy and the sovereignty to basically have these their own kind of subsets of legal systems. Uh, so, um, so for the purposes of this discussion, we have then three different courts. We have the DIFC court in Dubai, we have the ADGM uh, in Abu Dhabi, and we have the mainland courts. Uh, so um, the I would say, and and therefore the, the discussion of freezing order and the term freezing order, it actually does in the in the context of the DIFC courts and the ADGM courts. It actually, does exist as a phrase, so it's it's actually a term of art, the freezing order, oh, okay. uh, and but as you uh, but as you rightfully said, in the mainland courts, it's called the precautionary attachment, okay. uh, but the concept is more or less the same. And in fact, we have recently seen where parties start use the DFC courts, for example, uh, to uh, the DFC's freezing order. Tools uh, kind of to circumvent uh, the mainland precautionary attachment because uh, uh, for a number of reasons, but you know one of the reasons is that it's easier to obtain a freezing order in the DFC courts than it is in on the mainland uh, in certain cases especially so um, we have seen kind of parties play this so it's called a conflict of uh, conflict of laws uh, where they are uh, or, or or in other words a forum shopping where you so different use different forum to kind of benefit themselves but basically yes the freezing order on in adGM and um, in D.A.F.C. It's it's a term of art that is sort of stems from an English uh, system, English laws, and because the, those two uh, jurisdictions are based on on common law, which are based on or derivative from the English uh, legal system and the English laws, and so therefore it's, they adopted the same sort of the same concept as adopted from the English jurisprudence, uh, and uh, therefore and in England in particular, this uh, the freezing order is a tool that has been used a lot in the last several decades, and it's very Common and it can be extremely uh, severe, expensive, and um, it, it's immediate. Uh, so, uh, and it's been used a lot by foreigners, by the way. So, for example, foreigners, in even governments, foreign governments, where they're trying to uh, pursue a particular citizen. And so, kind of as, as its leverage, <laughs> yeah, leverage to, to either get them to the table or to, um, to to just exert their own leverage, often they would apply for this freezing order while the case is being litigated. Because freezing order. Order is, so and and the standards for the to to apply freezing orders in particular in uh, and kind of under the English system seems to be fairly um, uh, fairly like loose, if you will, not very specific. So you just need to have some sort of a semblance of a a prospect of having a a successful judgment. But you don't have to prove that, in fact, you have a substantive case that, that has very high chance of success. You just need to show that you will be filing a court case that may ultimately lead uh, to uh, judgment in your favor may lead to judgment in your favor and just on the basis of that alone you can apply it for the freezing order so it's um, but in in the mainland in dubai as like you said it's a precaution it's called precautionary attachment mm. and and it's provided for by the ue civil procedure law articles 247 to 251 And, um, you know, under these provisions, a claimant can request for an attachment over the defendant's asset prior to even filing a substantive legal claim, but they have to follow up with an actual substantive claim within seven days. Uh, and so and in practice, whenever they ask for this sort of freezing with claiming as a precautionary attachment, uh, they ask specific entities to basically put a freeze, such like a bank, uh, bank accounts, of property or vehicles or company shares or you know, or, or even furniture, office, machinery and equipment. So you can kind of request the court, please, please put all this on, on freezing, um, on, on the precautionary attachment, kind of a temporary freezing until... Uh, until we we uh, get onto the merits, but the, but in in the mainland in in Dubai courts there is a little more requirements in terms of actually being able to obtain the freezing order, and you have to have so you have to show. Pretty credible evidence that the debtor may actually escape the UAE, mm. uh, and uh, and then also uh, need to show that the debtor actually owes money to the creditor. You cannot just say, "Oh, somebody just." I think Tim owes me X amount of money in the in the mainland courts. Okay, right. so so basically, it has to be some sort of a confirmed commercial debt. So, for example. Uh, there is, um, yeah, you know, there is. Uh, let's say a, a check, a bounce check mm-hmm. from you. That's kind of a confirmed commercial debt. So on the basis of that alone, I can ask for a freezing order. So uh, you may okay. still argue. You may still argue that listen, well, but at this check that she has. Uh, I paid part of it already, uh, but you know that's an example of where the, the the local courts require they require some sort of evidence to show that you actually owe me money, uh, and uh, before they will start uh, attaching asset. Uh, so um, now precautionary attachment is used in the UAE uh, specifically. Uh, unless, uh, in addition to cases where, for example, the confirmed commercial debt, as I said, with a bounce check, uh, once you have an appeal judgment. So not, you know, once you have an appeal judgment, because then the court views that if you have an appeal judgment, that's already a confirmation of some sort of an obligation. Uh, so that's when it perhaps <clears throat> precautionary attachments are used m- most often. So there are options in mainland, uh, mainland uh, courts, but they are more, uh, the scrut- more scrutinizing in terms of the evidence and the requirements that the courts uh, will require for the claimant before they entertain a precautionary attachment. But in the DIFC courts, it seems to be a lot broader uh, and uh, a lot, uh, y- you know, and uh, I'm hesitant to use the word a lot more sort of loosey-goosey, uh, but a lot more tenuous. Okay. So for example, we recently had a case where a party filed a request for a freezing order Mm-hmm. against uh, against a a party in the DFC, yeah, while there was not a single case in the DFC, there was no case in the DFC whatsoever. so and, and in fact, there were many cases that were going on between the parties on the mainland. So in local courts, and yet the party did not chose not to apply for the freezing order in the mainland in the in the local courts, but rather go to the diFC. And file for a freezing order in the DFC because it's easier to prove the DFC. So the burden of proof and the requirements for for qualifying for pre- a freezing order are a lot, uh, a lot more, uh, I guess, a lot easier to prove than in the local courts. So that was a great example where, you know, at least in my view, it seemed that. Um, and obviously reasonable minds can differ but there's a bit of a, an abusive process almost and like a little shopping uh, forum shopping so you, there were a number of substantive cases in the local courts and so the parties could have asked a precautionary attachment in any one of those cases with the uh, local courts and they should have done that mm-hmm. or the, the claim in that case but because it's the threshold is different and requires more of an evidence and um, and sort of substantiation of your claim and it's not as expansive and it doesn't have, for example, these uh, the penal order like the DFC uh, freezing orders do. Uh, so uh, the, the plaintiff or you know, the claimant in that case actually decided to kind of uh, circumvent the local jurisprudence and jurisdiction and go to the DFC court and file a freezing order there ex parte, without serving the party. Uh, only on the basis of that, um, and, and basically in short, it's pretty complex, uh, sort of legal, uh, nuanced argument. But ultimately, they said, listen, once if we have if we if we have a favorable judgment, at least one of these judgments, or somewhere we may be able to enforce in the DFC courts or in the DFC jurisdiction, in the mm-hmm. DFC itself, maybe. So that in itself, the for as far as the jurisdiction is concerned, the DFC court said, okay, that gives us enough jurisdiction uh, hook. So it's it may seem a, a little bit um, a little bit abusive potentially, uh, but again it can work depends on who's using it. Uh, so on the one hand, so the flip side there's a flip side as well. So on the one hand, it's easier to obtain a freezing order in the DFC courts in the ADGM because it's based sort of on the a much more established English practice that's that's uh, uh, has a much kind of more more. Uh, relaxed standards, um, uh, but, uh, and, but also as part of it, the penalty, the violation, of the penal orders are quite significant. So in our client's case, poof, the, the penalties for being perceived to have violated the, the freezing order are, we're talking about like hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, for yes. And it's, and it's pretty fast. And and you know and it's all kind of seems a little dramatic and and draconian because remember this the case may never be won so the case may actually become all these cases may be substantive uh, substantive cases may be dismissed altogether or yes. the the defendant may actually win them all. And yet, in the meantime, they've got their sort of hands uh, handcuffed and they cannot do anything. Uh, And on top of that, whenever they're trying to, for example, get access to money to pay for the lawyers or so, they may additionally suffer the consequences of these heavy penalties. Uh, All of which, by the way, can be lifted. In the event that their substantive case falls apart.
0: Well, I was going to ask that because the point is that a precautionary attachment is limited in terms of time. It can only apply for a certain amount of time. And you have to act, if you apply for one, you have to act relatively quickly. It's, it's something like 30 days, I think, isn't it? Mm.
1: Well, in the local courts, it's actually eight days, but it's more about if when you apply for a precautionary attachment before you file a substantive case.
0: So without a substantive
1: case, right? Right. It's in local court. So you have to, you make a a precautionary attachment and then within eight days, you have to file a case. If you don't file... Then the precautionary judgment gets lifted. Right. Okay. In the DFC courts, for example, you, um, uh, it, I mean, in that particular case, there were already substantive cases filed, but the kind of cases were filed outside in a different jurisdiction, mm. i.e., in the mainland jurisdiction, not the DFC. Okay. Uh, so uh, they use that as an example of, like, well, look, we've got, uh, uh, we we already have these kind of substantive cases. And also, it's even more interesting because there's also some the claimant in the DFC case was arguing that we actually, uh, because in terms of deciding the, the expansiveness of the freezing order, when they're trying to uh, convince the court to give them a more like a broader freezing order, the court uh, was basically challenged the substantive claims that had been filed, and the defendant said, no, "No, we will file. We will file soon another substantive case which will support our current request for freezing order." Uh, so, uh, you know, kind of crazy if you think about mm. it. All of a sudden, you know, the, the court is issuing these judgments or these decisions on the on the promise. Yeah. of something. And yet, in the meantime, it affects the person's life very rapidly and very radically. Uh, so, again, this is like any other judicial tool. You can can be of much benefit or could, could be used sort of and abused.
0: Do freezing orders apply just locally? Say so you go to the the local courts here, you receive your precautionary attachment. Is, th- is that just for local assets? Could you pursue somebody who may have more assets outside of the UAE?
1: So uh, great question because when you apply for freezing order through the DIFC or ADGM because these are common law jurisdictions which are based on uh, English sort of English laws and there are a number of MOUs they call them and sort of agreements between let's say the DIFC ADGM courts and other foreign courts mm. uh, so and so there, especially if you have another English courts so and also sort of English based civil law system so this basically you can not actually ask for freezing order to be global you can, and uh, and the court can issue it, and now it then becomes a matter of whether those other jurisdictions where you're trying to enforce this freezing order will actually honor it. Okay. Uh, but certainly, a lot of these freezing orders are global, uh, and uh, you know, let's say the UAE court, the DFC court decides yes, it's a global freezing order, but now it's on the the burden is on the claimant to go to these different jurisdictions and say, okay, this we have a freezing order from the DFC, please enforce it. So it depends on where it is that the plaintiff is trying to enforce it. So let's say if they're trying to enforce it or or ratified the freezing order or, or uh, expand the freezing order into england it's going to be much easier because it's issued on the same sort of principles yeah. in the dfc court as yeah. they, they would apply in england uh, so um yeah so basically that's uh that's kind of that's the idea of uh uh, of of this tool, and uh, I have to tell you, you know, I know. I obviously the UAE has had its own precautionary attachment tool for um, that we've used uh, successfully, but uh, we always knew that the thre- threshold is a lot more strenuous. But uh, other jurisdictions seem to use it a lot more liberally, hmm. uh, and it's it's sort of an interesting uh, interesting use of a tool, especially since in that case, uh, the. Um, uh, Ultimately, the all the substantive cases, so the the freezing order was lifted completely, and that's after the court had already penalized uh, the our you know our, our our client or the defendant in this case for allegedly violating the freezing order because it, and the violation there is because they did not respond in time, okay. uh, and uh, and after they had already argued the jurisdiction and so on and so forth, the court said no, you know, freezing order stays. Uh, and you're also subject to all sorts of penalties uh, for not complying with the order in time, i.e. not responding to, do- uh, to requests for documents. And yeah, it's p- pretty scary looking. Uh, but um, but then the, all of the freezing order was lifted altogether. All of it basically disappeared because the substantive cases were lost. So it's, it's just more kind of this dichotomy. On the one hand, you were just... Freezing somebody's life, on the other hand, you know, you're doing it on, on, on the basis of what may be very tenuous, if, if completely, uh, if not completely flawed at the end of the day, and by virtue of the substantive cases sort of falling apart, which is exactly what happened here. Uh, interestingly, though, in the DiFC courts, and I'd say IDGM is sort of similar filing a request a freezing order is also extraordinarily expensive it's really? very expensive yeah and because it's a very sort of refined legal nuanced arguments and theories and and uh, you know obviously because of the damage that can uh, cause the party there's yeah. the threshold in terms of kind of arguing to the judge and um, There's guarantees that are also required uh, to be put on. And also the party, if it's kind of, there's some sort of requirements if the party uh, abuses this or the court later finds that they've abused it, there's also a penalty on the claimant as well. So, but overall, it's pretty extraordinarily expensive. So that's, you would only really do it if there is serious money at stake.
0: Could you give a figure for what you mean by extraordinarily expensive or does it depend on case? case by case? Uh,
1: well, I would tell you that in this particular case, uh, there was, I think it was just over just a course of two months or so that the parties had argued and the claimants uh, claimed that, I mean, the claimants were the ones who were asked for the claimant uh, for the uh, freezing order. They had argued to the court that they their client had already incurred you know, for the, This is over the course of, a, like, I think, a month or two months and mm. think two, two or three hearings maximum. You know, they had already incurred in something in the order of like a million pounds in legal fees.
0: Yeah, which is four and a half million. Yeah, so. I mean, but oh, this
1: yes. is only just in the, over the course of like a month or two. Wow. And it's just purely on the freezing order, not substantive cases, just a freezing order. Uh, so um, yeah, so that's that's what when I mean. It's it's expensive. It is it is extraordinarily expensive, and that's, I guess it's the flip side. So only those mm. who with very deep pockets, with a lot of money, and who are either extremely vindictive or. Um, or just, or, or, or truly, if you give them the, the benefit of the doubt, or truly believe that uh, their interests could be compromised if they don't sort of freeze the status quo, uh, would um, kind of use it. But uh, historically, I think if you read uh, your books and stories about freezing orders, I think a lot of the time, especially in the last uh, recent kind of decade, they've often been abused by uh, by sort of politicians and foreign powers,
0: only for the very wealthy, uh, indeed. That's another edition of Logical. This time, freezing orders or precautionary attachments, as they're also known here in the UAE. As ever, thank you for watching or listening or both, and thanks to our legal expert, managing partner here at Yamalova and Pleska, Ludmila Yamalova. Thank you once again. Appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Tim. It was enjoyable, as always.
0: Find us at LY Law, social media, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn. You can find our podcasts at LYLawyers.com. If you'd like your legal question answered in a logical episode or you'd like to talk to a qualified UE experienced legal professional, click contact at LYLawyers.com.